listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Peter and John are a part of this brand new entity that's been birthed in this book of Acts called the church. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. Now he's ascended back to the father and he's left these followers of his with strict instructions. I want you to go into all of the areas surrounding you, both here and in the immediate area and then over to Samaria and to as far as you can imagine. And I want you to tell people what you've seen and heard of me. And when they, like you, by faith believe the things that you're telling them about me, then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and I want you to teach them all the things that I've taught you. And so they began that journey of of communicating the gospel to people. And one thing that that has affected them uh, dynamically is that as Jesus has gone into heaven, he has sent his Holy Spirit to not only be with them, but to dwell in them. So these guys have got supernatural power to do the things that God has called them to do. Well, Peter and John, on their way to temple to pray one day, came across a man who had been crippled for his entire life. And we learned that it's been for about 40 or plus years that he's been crippled and unable to provide for himself. And he's asking for money for a handout. Peter and, and, and John look at the man and said, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give you freely in the name of Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth, get up and walk. And the Bible says Peter reached down and took his hand and this crippled man stood up for the very first time in his life with strong legs and he began to run and leap and jump and praise God for what had been done to him or for him through the power, through the person of Jesus Messiah from Nazareth. The problem with that is the temple leaders and the priests did not like that because Jesus was the one that just a couple of months earlier, they had went to great pains to put to death. And now Jesus is dead and gone. And we don't know where his body is, but at least he's gone. They're saying he's resurrected. It's probably true, but we're not going to talk about that. And then the followers of Jesus are in the temple talking about that. And people are flooding. We learn in the book of Acts that there's over 5,000 new believers in Jesus just since the apostles have been telling people about him. So this thing called the church is exploding. And these temple leaders hear about this thing, this commotion that has happened in the temple. And it's these two guys and they were Jesus' disciples. And apparently they've healed this guy in the name of Jesus who we killed. We got to do something about this. Well, they took him, they arrested him, held him overnight, brought him in. They put him on trial. We learned last week that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter was able to defend himself masterfully. And he wasn't really defending himself as much as he was just defending the person of Christ. 
The one you killed is the one that God raised and God raised him to continue his work through us. And I can tell you right now, if you want to know whose name this man was healed in, it's the name of Jesus Messiah, the one you rejected, but the one who's still in control. And these leaders are like, what are we going to do with this? How are we going to respond to this? I mean, the folks have seen this man healed. If we try to hurt them or kill them, man, we're going to have at least 5,000 folks that are going to rise up against us. So what did they do? They looked at Peter and John and they went, boy, I'm going to tell you something, fellas. If y'all do that again, oh, man, we are going to wear you. Do you hear me, Peter? I'm telling you, preach in his name. You talk about Jesus resurrected one more time. Well, you're going to get it. They threatened them. And what did Peter say? I don't know what to tell you, fellas. He told us to tell them about him. So we're going to tell them about him. And they said, well, don't you do it again. Get out of here. And now Peter and John have left. That's where we pick up our story in verse number 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest And the elders had said to them. They went to their friends and told them. Now, they went to the assembly. Now, I doubt that they went to where all 5,000 of the new believers were because there wouldn't have been a place in Jerusalem that could have held all of those folks. Chances are great they went to like the most intimate company, maybe to the other members of the 12, maybe to the group of 120 that was together, or maybe they just went to to that one house that still had the light on of one of their brothers and sisters to knock on the door. The bottom line is when they got released, they went to their friends to unload, to tell them what has happened. You know what? We need some things in the church today. The first need we have is we need each other. We need each other. Now, we say that, we'll nod, yep, amen, preacher, we need each other. But here's what we'll do. We'll say we need each other, and then we'll isolate ourselves from each other. We'll go around each other in order to not be too vulnerable, Because when we're vulnerable, then that means that folks are going to know the real us. And when folks know the real us, what are the chances that they are going to talk about us? Or they are going to take advantage of us? And we've been hurt before. Pastor Kevin, I just got to tell you, I just don't get close to folks anymore. Well, I understand you've been hurt. And I'm sorry you've been hurt. And God has an answer for that hurt through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But the bottom line is, he said we need each other, so we need each other. And most of us have an each other that we're leaning on. Here's my question. Who are your friends that you go to? So just right now where you're sitting, I want you to think. Who are the people that you go to when you find yourself flipped upside down? You got them? You know who they are? All right, now let me ask you this question. Why do you go to them? Why are they the ones that you go to? Well, I've known them the longest, or I trust them, or they say the things I like to hear when I go to. Why is it that you go to the ones you go to 
when you go to them to tell them what's gone? How do they typically respond? What is their typical response when you go, girl, you ain't never going to believe what happened to me. Hey, man, do you know what so-and-so did today? Let me just tell you, how do they respond? I wrote some things down that, that might be typical responses. What about when they respond by piling on with you? And you go, you're not ever going to believe, and and da-da-da, and then he did, and then she did, and then they did, and and they start going, that just ain't right. Oh, you can't, you, are you going to put up with that? You can't let them do that. That's just wrong. We need to get us a posse. We're going to get us a posse right now. We're going to rise up and revolt. I'm going to put out an email, we're going to fix this problem right now. Complain, pile on, grumble. Maybe even you have some folks that you typically go to and they go, you just need, you just need to quit talking to them. You just need to write them off. They're no good for you. And you just need to leave them alone because they are no good. You know, sometimes boundaries are helpful, but what's their motive by what are they? Why do you go to them? Who are they? Who's your group? Why do you go to them and how do they typically respond you know god designed the body to be a place of encouragement comfort challenge correction support and a place where we stand together now here's what we like we like comfort we like support we like to stand together here's what we don't like challenge and correction You know what that is? The scripture calls that iron sharpening iron. You know, for iron to be sharp, you know what has to happen to that iron? Bits and pieces of edges have to be knocked off the iron and smoothed down so that the surface is smooth enough that it could cut through paper. But if you've got little burrs and bends then it won't cut. And so what the blacksmith has to do is rub that knife across a stone that rips off or pulls off those rough edges. And if you were the knife, as he rubbed that knife down that stone, if you were the blade, here's what you would be saying. Ow, quit it. That hurts. Put me down, leave me alone. Because you wouldn't like the fact that you're being sharpened. But a knife that is dull is of no good. So God put us together for the purpose of sharpening. Who are your friends? And are they sharpening you in your walk with Jesus? The ones that you go to, the ones that you lean on, the ones when you have something that's turning your world upside down are the ones you are telling, are they sharpening you or are they taking you and banging you against the rock, just making you more dull? I'm not saying don't call your daddy if he's not sharp. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying find some friends who will sharpen because that's what we need that's who Peter and John had they went to the believers 
and they told them everything that was done to them. Yeah, we got arrested. We didn't do anything but heal it. It was amazing. The dude was, he was crippled and we said in the name of Jesus and guys, Jesus raised him up from cripple and he was running and jumping and everybody was praising God and folks were like, I want to follow Jesus. And we're like, I see that hand. That's awesome. And then all of a sudden those big heavies come and took us and bound us and put us in a jail. And guys, I don't want to go back to that jail. It was dark in there. It smelled bad. And there were folks in there that were not nice to me. I don't want to go back there. That was terrible. That was a horrible experience. But when we were brought out, man, it was like the whole thing. It's like all the Sanhedrin and the chief priests and his, his father-in-law and their cousins, and they were all there. Really? Every, yeah, man. The whole crowd was there, and they put us on trial. What did you do? I just started talking about Jesus. And I just started telling them what came to my mind. And it, I get the Holy Spirit was just giving me words to say. And like everything that I thought would have probably scared me to death, I just kept saying. And then they looked at us and then they came in, they pushed us around, they knocked their fist in their hand, they told us to get out. Oh, and they said that we can't preach in Jesus' name anymore. They did. What'd you tell them? <laughs> I told them we got to preach in Jesus' name. I don't know what to tell you. So what are we going to do? Verse 24. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, when they heard these things, you know what they did? They didn't sit down and go, okay, let's get a map. Let's figure out where we can preach. And okay, so the, the guards live here. So we need to preach over here and we got to do this and we'll be, no, they heard what was told and they hit their knees and they began to pray. Like they didn't, I don't, I don't see anywhere where they're going, oh boy, we're, we're going to quit. Hey, don't, y'all don't leave, no stay. No, I see them hearing and going, all right then. Down to their knees they went and here's what they prayed. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. When he says sovereign Lord, that's not the normal word that's used for Lord in the New Testament. In fact, this word is used only five times in the New Testament. It's despotes is the word they use, which where we get the word despot. Okay, it's the idea of a of a uh, almighty authority, like a complete control with no other influence like I have complete authority over this and everything in it and whatever happens is what I'm doing that's who they're praying to and they go sovereign Lord the one who knew this was going to happen the one who knows what happened and knows what you're going to do about it and sees what we're doing right now Lord you got this under control and we believe that you're the maker of heaven you're the creator of earth and the sea and everything in them verse 25 who through the mouth of our father David the king when he wrote, and they're going to quote Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. He says, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, your servant said these things from or through the Holy Spirit. Here's what he said. Acts, uh, in, in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, why do the Gentiles rage? And why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers are gathered together. For what? Against the Lord and against his anointed. So as they're praying, God, you're in control. 
You made the heavens, you made the earth. No one has power but you. And we also know that through our father, David, the Holy Spirit uh, spoke through him in the Psalms centuries ago when he said these words, why are the Gentiles raging? Why are the peoples plotting against you? Why are the kings and the rulers taking up a stand against your anointed? If you kept reading Psalm chapter number two, you're going to find that the Psalm ends up by saying, that's futile for you to do that. Because the king is going to do what the king wants to do, and there's nothing that you can do to stop him. But they stop right here because in their experience, this is what has happened in their view. He says, verse number 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Lord, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had prepared, uh, had predestined to take place. They're saying, Lord, we remember back when David said that the Gentiles and the kings and and the rulers were going to take a stand against your anointed. And that's happened in this very city. The Gentiles, the Romans, the peoples, the Jews, the the kings, Herod, the rulers, Pilate. What did they do? They all took a stand against Jesus. And you know what they did? They put him to death. You raised him. And that was all part of your plan. All of that suffering, all of that upside down. Wait a minute, you're Messiah. What in the world is happening here? And now we get it. It's all part of your plan. We get it, Father. You're sovereign. You're in control. And the very things you said centuries ago have happened right here in our sight. We get it. We understand that you do what you do even when it doesn't make sense to us. Verse number 25. Now, Lord, look upon their threats. Hear what they said to us. We know you were with us. Now, Lord, we know you're sovereign. We, we know that all of this is a part of your plan, but now we want to we bring your attention to what has just happened to us. The threats, the bullying, the things they said they were going to do if we didn't shut up, but we told them we couldn't shut up. Now, Lord, I want you to see their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Now, when we have things go upside down in our life, sometimes we'll even get together to pray. But most often, what is our prayer? Most often, it sounds honestly a little bit like this. Lord, I'm going through this thing. I need you to take it away. Lord, this, this, this thing's happened. This person's doing this. Lord, you need to stop them. Because if you don't stop them, Lord, they're going to they're gonna do this, and it's going to be not good for us. And, and we know you want us to be happy, Lord, and we know that you want us to be fulfilled, Lord. So we just need you to come in. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to heal this. We need you to fix this. We need you to to provide for this. And we need you to stop them because if you don't stop them, they're going to continue to be ugly to us. 
You know, that's not what they said. I think what they were doing is they were submitting to the God who was in control. They were submitting to the fact that suffering is part and parcel to God's plan. And I think they're submitting what they would prefer. Uh, I'm reading in Luke right now, and there was a point where uh, Jesus wanted to go through Samaria. And, and so Jesus sent some of the disciples ahead to the city in Samaria and said, go ask them if it's okay if we come through their city, because we'd rather not go around Samaria. We know, they, we know they would rather us go around because we're Jews and they hate us and they would just as soon us not be in their city. But if you'll go ahead in the city and ask them, Jesus is coming, will you welcome him through your city? And, and those disciples came back and said, they, they said, no, they didn't want you to come through their city. So what did Jesus do? He went around the city. But, but a couple of the, of the disciples, James and John, they looked at Jesus and they went, well, Jesus, should we, uh, should you think we should call down some fire on them? Because they just rejected the Messiah. Let's just, let's just call down some fire. Take care of these fools over there that don't know who they're rejecting. And, and the Bible just basically said that Jesus just kind of looked at them like, you idiots. I ain't come here to call down no fire. I didn't come to judge. I came to seek and save. You know, these folks didn't go, Lord, you, you know they killed Jesus, and now they're messing with us. So won't you just go on, take care of them, and then we'll get this gospel thing going? That's not what they said. They said, Lord, you heard their threats. And we know you're in control and we know you decide what does and does not oppose us. God, we ask that you will give us boldness. I'm not asking you to tell them or make them or shut their mouths so they can't stand against us. We're asking you that when they stand against us, that we will have the courage to stand come what may. They submitted their preference. They submitted their plan to God's will. Now, in John 14, 13, Jesus made a statement that if we're not real careful, we could write on a little card and we could put it over in our pocket and we could be asking for all kinds of stuff we're not going to get. Here's what Jesus said. He goes, if you ask anything in my name, you will receive it. (laughs) Man, I've been wanting the 1978 Black Pontiac Trans Am, four speed. That's what I want, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. No, don't amen that. I can't count on that. You know why? Because that car don't have a thing to do with the progress of the gospel. In fact, if I had that car, I'd probably be going backwards in the progress of the gospel. What does Jesus mean when he says, if you ask anything in my name? He means, if you ask anything of me that I'm already wanting to do in your life, you can count on it. That's why we can go, Lord, we ask that you will equip this mom and daddy to be able to navigate whatever their family faces. We ask you to give them wisdom to lean on you and to follow your path in Jesus' name. Why? Because that's exactly what he wants to do.
That's exactly where he wants us to be, following him, putting ourself aside and putting him forward. That's what he wants. And when we submit ourselves to his will, you know what he goes? I'll be happy to do that for you. That's why when Peter and John stepped into the promise that Jesus made them when he said, you think these are mighty works? You're going to do greater works than these. And then he gave them the power over sickness and demons, and he told them in his name to go and and heal and to do these things. They stepped into that and went, okay, Lord, in Jesus' name, get up. And they got up. Why? Because what Jesus had told them to do, they stepped into it, they claimed his name, and Jesus did that and they could count on it you know we can count on those same things not that we can go put our hands on somebody and heal them I I, I don't have the ability to count on that but here's what I do know I do know whenever I align myself with God's word and the person that I'm trying to be an encouragement to or a challenge to or trying to correct or to try to be a, a, a blessing to I can in Jesus name point them in the right direction knowing that God is going to follow through on everything he's ever said he'd do because that's all he wants to do, because he's a good father. And good fathers don't make empty promises. Good fathers come through on what they promise to do. And we have the perfect father. Make sense? So they submitted themselves, and they go, Lord, you saw what they said, and you know what they're probably going to do. We ask that you'll give us boldness. You know what we need? We need each other. You know what else we need? We need submissive hearts. We need each other to help us to learn how to be consistently submissive to God's plan, to God's authority, to God's understanding, to whatever it is God wants to do, we submit to and go, okay, Lord, I wish this wasn't the case. I wish that this wasn't the way it had to be, but I know you're in control, and Lord, here's what I want. I want you to give me courage and boldness to stand for you, come what may. And when we pray that, we have the guarantee of his answer. You say, how do I know? Well, right here it says, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Now, was this a, an actual shaking of the building i have no reason whatsoever to think that it wasn't an actual shaking of the building like that there was some sort of move there was some sort of visible tangible recognition that god has heard our prayer but i think it's not limited to the building i think they were shaken you ever been through something either positively or negatively and it just shook you up like it got your attention. You're just, whoo. Like you're driving down the road and, and you start nodding off just a little bit. Maybe you were took, took too, too big of a bite out of this trip. You know, you, you're driving too much on what little sleep you got. And you're starting to nod a little bit. You know, you know how that happens. Uh, you'll nod and you, you'll go, how long was I out? It probably only about a second. Like, what? And, and there's that time that you, you nod and you open up and you're almost in that lane and you jerk over and there was a truck over there and you're like, whoo, and you're shaking. Oh man, I'm shaking. Or when your youngest son waits on you to come out of the bathroom <laughs> and uh, startles you. 
as you get back right there. Uh, that's the, they shake you up. You know, it's like, hey, you know, and now your heart's racing until about midnight, right? Shaking. Have you ever been shaken by God's power? Like just taken aback that, oh my, I, I just recognized that this is true. Uh-huh. I don't know what to do with this. If, if any of you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, yes, you have. Because you start recognizing, whoa, man, he's done what? And I'm, I'm now who? And he won't. Man, it's just overwhelmed with shaking. Bottom line is when these folks got down on their knees and they submitted themselves to the one who was fully in control and said, Lord, all we want you to do is just give us courage to stand for you. The place was shaken. And you know what else happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. Christian, when you and I decide that we're going to do things God's way, When we make a decision that it it doesn't make sense, we don't know how it's going to work out. I'm telling you, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this is what God says, and I take a step. You know what we too will experience? We'll experience the filling of his power. Like God doesn't leave us weak to follow him. The closer we're walking to him, the more active the spirit is in our life, the more ability we have to see the way in front of us, the more ability we have to trust when we can't see the way, but we can see him, we have his presence. Sometimes it's just about taking that next step. We need each other. We need submissive hearts that'll set ourselves aside. God, give me courage. You know what's coming. Just just don't let me mess it up. Give me courage. When they prayed, the place was shaken. They were gathered together. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness, because when we ask according to God's will, He answers, and we can count on it. But look what happens in their body as a result. Now, the full member of those who had believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You know what we need? We need each other. We need submissive hearts, and we need to boldly press on. So often, we get a little discouraged as a follower of Jesus. What do we get discouraged with? Well, because this thing happened at church and that hurt my feelings or, or this thing happened with that and I didn't get picked for that and it made me mad or they did this instead of the other thing. I don't like it. We get a little discouraged. We get disconnected from one another and you know what we end up doing? We end up just sitting down and pouting. I'm just going to sit here and pout. Because you don't, you don't do it the way I want it done. And you, well, I ain't going. I ain't going to be a part of that. And we just pout. 
we need to boldly press on. Here, you're not going to like this, and I tell you, I don't like it either. Here's what we need in this nation. Here's what Christians need. You ready? We need a crisis in this country. You know, we, we, need, we need for these things to just stop working and our car not start. That's what we need. Because I guarantee you, we lose power. We lo- lose nice, clean water at the turn of a nozzle. We lose it. And, and listen, I am not asking that God do this. I'm just saying, we find ourselves in a crisis. You know where we're going to be? Right here. And you know what we're going to be doing? Crying out to God. We're so comfortable, we don't even know what pressing on with boldness looks like. That's what we need. We need to quit being selfish. We need to quit being whiny. We need to quit being a powder. We need to quit being a big old baby and stand up for what God has called us to be and ask him for courage. And you know what happens when we do that? All of a sudden, each other becomes this force of power. They didn't have any, like they went, when they decided we're going to do this on God's terms and we're going to do it for his glory, they decided that they didn't even own anything anymore. If you need, hey, don't, you don't even worry about that. I got some of that. Not that I, well, I, I'll give you my old one because I got, no, they didn't have anything that, that was their own anymore. I said, you know what? We're all in this together and it's about getting the gospel out and we know that they're going to try to stomp us and we're going to ask God for courage and boldness and we're going to do it and whatever we got's for us and let's just do this thing. Is that how you feel in church? Like, is, is that when you come in here, you're going, man, I'm getting in there with my people and we're going to get charged up because we're going we're gonna to take this thing that God has given us and we're going to run with it. Or do you come in here going, I bet they won't sing the one I like. I bet they'll turn them lights off again. You watch it. He probably, he's, he's going to do that same thing and, then that, and he's going to forget and he didn't make that announcement and I gave it to him like four weeks in a row and he didn't do it. Or is this about together man asking God to build us and and link us and be what he wants from us when he does that great grace was upon them all I mean the body was churning it was moving with power and unity so much of us are marked by division disconnection and apathy but when we're united and we're deepening that relationship with one another and with him who's called us we find ourselves feeling invincible because isn't that what Jesus said I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not stand again we we start thinking you might get me but you can't take us all out And even if you can get most of it, you can't stop him. Is that that how we're marked? 
wouldn't, wouldn't that be a change of pace if all of a sudden that's what we submitted ourselves to? Well, we need each other. We need submissive hearts. We need to press on with boldness in our faith. We want everybody at Oasis Church to experience that kind of community. That's what we want. And we've got things that we try to to set up in order to lead people into that kind of community. We want to lead folks into areas of service. We, We want to help followers of Jesus discover how that the Holy Spirit has gifted and is empowering them. That's what we want to do. We want to equip you guys to be what God has called and and designed you to be. And we want to to find a place where you can experience each other. And we want that each other to be a place where you can come and you can dump and you can share because you know those people are going to be interested in helping you find God's way in the situation. They're going to encourage, they're going to comfort, they're going to strengthen, but they're going to challenge and correct you. Because that's what we need. And so we, we come up with strategies and, and programs and things just to try to lead you in those directions. That's what we want to do. And that's what today is about. We want you to experience a community where you discover that you are not alone. And as a follower of Jesus, that you have folks to lean on. That's what we want for you. We want you to discover a community where you can belong. We want you to go where everybody knows your name. Cheers gets it. The church does not. We want you to experience a community where you help one another and prayerfully find God's help and God's plan through whatever you have to face. And we want to provide for you an experience of a community where you are reminded that God keeps calling you deeper and deeper into his plan of representing Jesus and making disciples. In a minute, I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand up and you're going to get your kids and hopefully you're going to hang out with us while we go back here and eat. We're going to have some barbecue and it's going to be fun and we're going to eat together. And then I'm going to show you some things that you can get connected to, hopefully to deepen your community. And so you can find a place and some folks and some direction and know that we're not alone. And if we're all doing that together, I think we might be on our way toward finally experiencing the direction God has for every body of Christ. And then we can ask for boldness to press on no matter what. How awesome would that be? It'd be fantastic. It would be a challenge, but he's up to the challenge. So I say we take him at his word and we let him do in our life whatever it is he wants. And we can start by just sharing a meal and hearing about how we can get involved. So I'll ask you to stand with us, if you will. We're going to pray. Maybe it is that you're here and you say, but Kevin, I don't really think I'm yet a true follower of Jesus. Well, that's okay. Because I'd love to show you 
It's by trusting Jesus. It's just by faith, trusting in his death and resurrection as payment for your sin that you need because you're a sinner. And it's trusting in the way that God has made for us in the one who gave himself in our place and for our sin. If you recognize that right now, even where you stand, it's just a matter of, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve your love, but I believe you love me. And I think you demonstrated it by giving Jesus to pay my price for me. And God, I just want to trust you. I want to receive Jesus. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. I want you to have my life, and I want you to use me in whatever way you want. And if that's your heart, then you can move from death to life. You can move from lost to saved. You can move from outside the family to a brother and a sister in the name of Jesus. Christian, where are you at? Let's respond. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize we need each other. We have some one another's, but they might not be the best choice for us. They might not be pointing us toward you. I pray that you'll help us to be a one another that points others to you. And I pray that you will help us to develop a group around us that we can lean on. We can listen to and be encouraged and challenged and corrected, strengthened by. God, I pray that you'll give us a submissive heart, even as we're praying right now. I ask that you'll show us areas in our life that are just simply what we want to do, the plan we have for ourselves. I pray that you'll help us to see and, and to understand or to know any place that our plan is not lining up with yours. I pray that you'll give us the courage to just submit and say, God, we want what you want. I want what you want, even if it means having to set aside what I want. Father, I pray that you'll give us boldness, courage, strength, ability to stand at home, at work, in the world. And Father, I pray that you'll connect folks and that you'll bridge the gap for, for many today. Give us all the willingness to recognize that we have a next step. Will we be willing to take it? I pray the answer to that will be yes. Now, Father, we ask that you will bless the food in advance. We thank you for Chad, Angie that cooked it, everybody who brought. Um, God, we just thank you for their uh, involvement, their sacrifice, and we just pray that you'll bless those hands that prepared. We ask that you'll bless the food, that it might nourish our bodies, and that we might be useful and strong for you. And I pray that a lot, of, a lot will happen in deepening this body just through a meal. We look forward to what you're going to do. Now we love you. We thank you. We pray these things all together in one voice. In Jesus' name, everybody say it.